wants UI UX that actually stands out and gets noticed, our friends at Reveal Eyes brought punchy personality to our SaaS 2022 look and feel, bringing the whole event to life both on our website and in person. Go to revealize.com, that's R-E-V-E-A-L-I-Z-E.com for a free UI UX consultation today. There's no time to worry about macro or think about my fundraising plan or any of that, like it's just grow. So the hardest thing is really trying to like keep all of that distraction out because it's the most important time to focus right now. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaS Talk, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Okay, welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, CEO, founder of SaaS Talk. Uh, delighted to be joined today uh, by Juan uh, Andrade, who is the CEO and co-founder of Rebank. Uh, welcome, Juan. Hey, Alex. How's it going? Yeah, good. Good to see you. Uh, uh, haven't seen you in person since October uh, at SASDOC. Uh, obviously, we've, we've spoken since then. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, things are, are going well. How's 2023 going for you? Um, complete contrast to last year. Uh, the last four months since October have been the most... The, like the highest highs, the lowest lows. So yeah, really good at the moment. How about you? Yeah, like really good. I have to say, because like Q, Q4, like we, we had a, a great year last year. Um, you know, it was a growth year uh, for SaaS stock. Um, and there, but there, with the market, you know, there's a lot of doom and gloom about what was happening in the market, what's happening in SaaS, all the tech layoffs. Uh, and naturally, you know, a concern for us, because most of our customers are, uh, let's say from a, a partnership perspective are these kind of, you know, big, fast growth tech companies. Um, and we were a little bit concerned going into the new year that will they be coming back to SaaS stock because, you know, are they going to have the budgets and is there, is there going to be a terrible recession, et cetera. Um, I think like Q4 at the end actually gave us a lot of confidence and, you, you know, our, our customers have come back. They have, um, they have cut back on a lot of events that they're doing. Um, but fortunately for us, uh, SASDOC remains a key event within their calendar. Uh, and uh, so we, we, we remain, uh, you know, a strategic event for, for them. And um, yeah, so, so things have actually been pretty good. And, you, you know, we're, we're quite bullish, actually, and long-term bullish on SAS, as always. Uh, and also more bullish around 2023 and SAS and uh, what's happening in the in the market. So uh, very much excited uh, excited for the year. So so one um, uh, for those that don't know, uh, please tell the audience who is uh, Juan uh, Andrade. Who is Juan Andrade? Uh, I am. I I would not really identify as a gamer more than more than an entrepreneur because I've been doing that for far longer than I have been doing this startup business. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm originally born in, in Venezuela, um, came to England when I was about eight years old and, um, really, (laughs) yeah, this is relevant, but like, I wanted to be an accountant from like, I think the age of eight. 
and uh, that definitely didn't happen. Um, but yeah, you know, eventually got into into financial services and payments, and and then eventually rebank. Uh, but outside of work, music and computer games are really what I like to kind of spend time on. I've been I've become a little bit obsessed with chess at the moment. I'm playing every single day just on chess.com. I'm really bad, but watch this space. This time next year, I, I might be a grandmaster. Interesting, a couple of things. So I wonder if we played each other one. If not, we should get a game because uh, yeah. similarly, I, I've started this year and actually maybe even the end of last year playing every day uh, on chess.com against random people. Um, nice. And uh, yeah, really enjoying it. So uh, I wonder. I'm sure I've seen. I don't know. Have you got a Venezuelan flag next to your name or? Uh, <laughs> I don't. Or not, you no, don't. No. Yeah. But it is my um, face. But yeah, I'll definitely take your. I'll definitely take your handle. Yeah, we we should. Uh, yeah, I mean, mine is because there, there are some weird handles there. But mine is my name. So you'll you'll definitely mm. see it. Um, so oh, okay. we'd, we'd love a game. It's about, would you uh, would you say you're a better gamer than entrepreneur? <laughs> I I think that. I'm starting to be a better entrepreneur. Start like, and that's five years in. <laughs> um, but I, I, I used to be pretty good back in my day, um, like playing little tournaments for like Donkey Kong and all, all that mm. kind of stuff. I was obsessed. But no, so definitely a better gamer. But very soon to be a better entrepreneur than gamer. I hope. Good stuff. Good stuff. I hope, hope so as well. Yeah. And, and so, uh, and Rebank. Uh, so you're you're one of the co-founders of Rebank. Um, tell us what is Rebank? Why did you start this business? What, what's the problem you're solving? Yeah, we um, so like we were super interested in this open banking movement uh, back in the day. Now in Europe, which you know, for anyone that doesn't know, it's basically banks in Europe being forced to provide their financial data to third parties that were regulated, like us. We were one of the first open banking companies in the world back in 2018. And, you know, that's sort of become this kind of, you know, relatively useful thing. Um, we, um, yeah, we sort of built Rebank off the back of that. And we wanted to make finances much easier to handle, to understand. We, you know, as first-time founders, we eventually stumbled into the problem of international founders having their banks across different countries and finding it difficult to understand, like, how much cash they have, spend, and so on. So that's what Rebank initially started off as, a way to sync all of your banks into one page. And, and you know, we evolved over, over the, a couple of years. It was in 2019 that we really kind of set it up and we got into Y Combinator that year. Um, and yeah, like I can tell you all about what we did, but initially it was just like we were geeking out on open banking and we were like, okay, well, this is a problem that we can sort of uh, spend time on. And, and yeah, that's how it started. Uh, it's very different now, and, and actually, yeah. uh, maybe I'll get to talk about it, but we've completely, literally last week, we completely sort of changed our focus, and, and we're doing this new thing, and I want to talk about that, but yeah, yeah. important to, to explain where we came from. Yeah, no, no, definitely, and, uh, uh, and, and we will jump into that, and um, so how many years in, so you, you went through Y Combinator, um, right, when, when did you go through Y Combinator, and, and why, and how was the experience? Yeah, um, that was in 2019. So I quit my job in 20, mid, middle of 2017. Um, I was partway through a master's and like I, I started the master's because I thought it would help me set up a business. It, 
you like most like doing an MBA is great, but you like the skill set you need to start a company is like completely different. So in a sense, it was a waste of money for that, but in another sense, it wasn't at all. But yeah, I'd left I'd left my role because of this problem that I felt I discovered with banks not be you know being very hard to manage, um, and Simon and I were just looking for early validation, external validation, because in the early days no one really gives a shit about your product or or your company really if you think about it so you need any external proof points as many as possible you know whether it's pitching or or some regulation or or an accelerator it all slowly builds up until you have like a solid sort of base of customers or whatever so yeah that was why and and Y Combinator was probably the last accelerator we applied to and the only one that let us in um, we had applied to every single other one. Um, so like we, I think by the point that I applied to YC, I'd been practicing and, and being rejected from all of the other ones. And I just didn't give up. I, I just thought, well, I'll eventually get it. Um, um, and like the, 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 there was no sort of, it kind of the, the chances reset, right? If it was something where the more you lose, the worse it is, then of course I wouldn't have that's dumb. But it, because it's a simple like, well, it doesn't, they don't affect each other. They're independent, so let's just go for it. How was it? It was, uh, you know, like it was the most, um, yeah, it completely changed the trajectory of our company. Um, it helped us really understand how companies should focus in the early days. And I think why Combinator and the partners there are, you know, uh, like they have a collection of partners that have built significant businesses, have seen thousands of startups fail. So their, their sort of pitch to us was like, not like we'll help you succeed. It's, it's we will try and do our best so that you don't fail <laughs> because you most of you will fail. Um, so, so yeah, like a lot, there was a lot that happened in those couple, three months that, because uh, we flew over there. Uh, yeah. A lot that happened in those three months that has influenced the way that we build and, and we think about product. And do, I mean, do you recommend like the SaaS startups that are kind of at that really early stage uh, to go through accelerators like Y Combinator or, or others? Yes, absolutely. I think there are, sometimes I speak to founders and they've joined incubators that have taken like 50% of their company. Obviously, I think there's some really dodgy ones out there, but like the usual suspects of, you know, Techstars, EF, uh, YC, and there's, there's others in the US and in Europe. Um, like if you can, you should always apply because it helps you think about your problem, the problem that you're solving. Um, and hopefully, yeah, you can get in. And the thing that you get is a network. And that's so important. I think that's something that we we noticed with SaaS stock that like you just jump into this sort of group of very friendly, very capable <laughs> operators, right? Um, you definitely get that in YC. Um, so, so yeah, there's a lot of benefits and everyone, I, I just don't see the, any reason why anyone should not apply at least whether you accept it or not is dependent on your circumstances i guess but yeah and uh, obviously you, you alluded to the fact that last week uh, there, there was a big change in in rebank uh, a bit of a pivot uh, or a big pivot but before that so take us up to before last week you know some of the lessons you can share from building rebank you, you know up until uh, uh, this point yeah I I like to think that 
we just acted as the typical first-time founders. And what I mean by that is that you really have no frame of reference for what bad or good looks like. So, you know, you get into YC, okay, I'm doing good. You raise 2.8 million, like, okay, I'm doing great. And like you hire people, yep, that's, you know, that's positive, right? Um, I think the first few months we moved way too slowly. And I, I think I, just, I was acting more on what I think the company should be like more than what was actually in front of me, the problems that were in front of me. All I mean by that is that we weren't growing in the very early days, 2019, 2020, mm. we weren't growing. And we were just like, yeah, well, you know, we'll figure it out. Let's just keep talking to customers. I think some of that is really good, but at some point um, you have to bring in some like planning, some forward sort of planning and thinking. And when, as soon as we did that, uh, things started changing. We organized ourselves better in 2021 and, and 2021 onwards, we really did well. Um, but it, yeah, initially it is, yeah, it is a little bit hard to go from like a corporate to a startup, I think. And maybe that's what happened to us in the first year or so. Okay. Uh, and then um, we're going to dive into it in a bit. Uh, but obviously last year you entered the SaaS uh, 2022 pitch competition, uh, of which uh, uh, you won. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll dive into that uh, in a little bit. But uh, as you mentioned, like last week, uh, you have you know done a, a, a bit of a pivot within the business. Mm. So, so talk to us uh, and, and tell the audience a little bit about that. So, how did that come about? Um, you know, why the, why the decision to do that, um, and what does it look like now? The the company before yeah. to, to now. Yeah. So you know, taking kind of a bit of backdrop. Um, because I think many companies are thinking about this now as, and it's really, really relevant. So I want to give the backdrop yeah. and that, like I said, we, 2021, we started actually marketing. We started focusing on our power users and, uh, the, the simple sort of loop that we had in the business was like, build a thing or build many things. What sticks with our power users, build more of those things. What sticks with our power users, build more of those things. And that uh, combined with this sort of marketing kind of workflow that allowed us to experiment with different channels very quickly, led us in 2021 to have a, a pretty cool year. But in 2022, to have our best ever year, we grew uh, from like almost nothing to 500K. We grew 10X, uh, our yep. payment volumes. So we also added new functionality, which allowed companies to send money at the lowest possible rate uh, internationally for salaries, everything else, our payment volume just just went up like from almost nothing to 10 million in a few months, our payment volume increased. So we had like this amazing run in 2022. And I started fundraising. And you know, when I was at Sastock, um, I had been uh, you know, fundraising, uh, had started the process. Um, so uh, so yeah, like that's sort of the backdrop. And then what happened, you know, I can, I can talk about the pitch, but like essentially I started meeting investors and because of all those conversations that I had and the pitching and everything else, I, um, got to a point towards the end of this year when I was like, okay, well that was an amazing year. You know, we, we grew all of this amount. We got some great traction from investors. We won a pitch competition. 
um, there's a, like a lot of a lot of eyes sort of looking at like, hey, well, you know, what's Rebank doing next in a, in a positive way? And we were excited by that for the first time. And I was like, okay, like, how do we do this again next year? How do we 10x? And yeah, like that was how I started this process. And uh, you know, you, I kind of thought, okay, well, what's true now that wasn't true maybe in 2019, 2020? The first thing is that money's no longer cheap, right? Everyone's talking about that in startups and VC. The second thing is that the, the competitive landscape has changed in, in many industries, in fintech in particular. So I looked at our results, I looked at what 10xing would mean, and I was like, and I thought, okay, assuming money continues to be expensive, not cheap, therefore I can't hire 40 people, um, can we 10x again? And my, like, my gut was just like, no, absolutely no way. I thought, okay, well, how, how could we? And, and that started us on like a path of analyzing all of our performance and running experiments in January um, to end up picking one specific area of our product that we'd been doing for two years, but was like, we, we hadn't even built anything for it. It was just this little add-on that we learned was, was basically accounting for almost half of our monthly revenue. So we're like, oh, wait, hold on, what is this? Um, and yeah, like I can, you know, I can go into it more, but it was really like always just, you know, build things, water power users using that loop and just taking into account, being really honest with myself about what is true now and that should affect my plan for next year. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, and what can you share then in terms of this particular feature? Like, are you in the position to share like yeah, yeah. What, what, yeah, of course. what this new is? Yeah. yeah, of course. Yeah. So look, it's about tax and tax is probably the driest topic um, and accountants would agree there. But what we learned is that all these international founders that we've been working with since day one, they all um, had this really annoying problem that they just couldn't get rid of. They had no real solution to around something called intercompany agreements. And, you know, the 30 second like description of this problem is that when you're an international company, you will have an entity in the US or the UK, other countries, and any money that you move from one entity to another to pay rent or other things has some compliance wrapped around it that is really nuanced, kind of complex, and most lawyers and accountants that that early startups work with don't really know what it is. These tax rules come in from like the OECD to help companies like Starbucks, well, to, so that companies like Starbucks and Google don't uh, evade tax, right? So there's these really complex rules that are put on for Google and Starbucks not to evade tax, but they also affect those three-person international startups. So these guys are super lost. Um, and yeah, we we happen to have a tax expert in our team. So one evening, we just kind of mapped it all out and we were like, okay, like, so, you know, this is the workflow and like, okay, like this is what the product could look like. And yeah, and we started doing it. And what we did this, this uh, this month was to announce that we are now only doing that. We're not going to be doing any of the other stuff that we were doing, the payments, the dashboard. We're just focusing on intercompany agreements and automation. That was like a few days ago. And it, since then, it's been like the, the, the calls that we've been on, talking to customers, talking to founders. It's just been insane. It's, it's like night and day. Starting Rebank and starting this, because it's essentially a new product, 
it's just completely different um, um, in terms of the pool that we're getting from the market. So it's really, really exciting for the team. Did you did you see? So obviously you communicate this to customers, and uh, I think you mentioned that you, you know fifty percent of the revenue is coming from this thing. Um, have you lost any customers? Have you had any upset customers uh, around this? So, um, what 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 happened there? Yeah, we will we will lose some customers, um, but the what we're gaining on the other side by being able to go deeper into this problem far out outweighs that. We knew that we, you know, we wanted to keep our investors, our investors knew about this weeks ago, um, and some of them even earlier, we were sort of hinting at it. Um, we let our customers know, uh, again, like over a week ago, you know, we, they, they have like two months, um, we wanted to give them two months notice so they can make their whatever changes they need. So like there's a lot of, a lot of kind of, and, and people have, other founders have messaged me saying like, oh my God, that's so, like, it's so brave, like, you know, it must be really hard to dump a fully functioning people paying for product. But like for some reason, when you go through that little checklist that I went through in my head, it's just like, well, no, this what we're doing now is like a no brainer. Um, so, but, but we wouldn't have been able to do this if we hadn't initially first built that product, right? Because if, in building that product, that dashboard and payments, we were able to find this deeper problem. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so yeah, everyone on the whole has been super supportive, and you know we're helping customers find uh, replacement products as well. So yeah, we have to take care of that for sure. Awesome, awesome. Well, well, congrats on, on making the decision and a uh, and a brave leap. And then let's let, let's then jump into uh, what we mentioned that you entered the SaaS Doc 2022 pitch competition, uh, a competition that you did win against you know hundreds of other. Uh, SaaS companies. Um, tell us why why did you enter uh, the pitch competition? Yeah. Yeah, so I, I started fundraising. I think I went to the US before before SaaS stock. So I was in San Francisco, um, briefly in New York as well. I was trying to meet as many p investors in person because I was like, if I meet them in person, I'll, it'll be much easier for me to pitch. Uh, I did everything virtually before then. And yeah, got back, got some great leads, and I wanted to meet more people um, at different events. And I saw SaaS stock. I'd obviously heard about it before from the events in London. And um, I think I asked a friend for a favor. I think Matt, I think the tickets have been sold out. And I, I just asked Matt Lerner, who was one of your speakers. I was like, please, Matt, do you have any way that you can get me into this pitch competition? With pitching specifically, I, I, I'm, I feel I'm quite a confident, like, pitcher. I like to, to challenge myself to, you know, to win, kind of, so, well, to win pitch competitions. I've only done one or two. Obviously, YC is sort of a pitch, you know, demo day. Yeah. But I, it's, it's a part of me that I, I was, <laughs> I was, I don't know if I can say this, I was shitting bricks <laughs> backstage. Yeah. But I was so, so, so nervous. But um, the, the excitement, the acceleration, like, it, yeah, I find it really rewarding. So, yeah, I was investing, and it's a great place to meet investors, actually. And and yeah, and couldn't couldn't tell you were nervous. You, you seemed pretty uh, icy cool on stage, so you hid that hid that well. Yeah. Um, what like uh, I, I know you, I think, as you said, you you kind of entered you know quite late, um, but did you have enough time to prepare? Was there anything that you did to kind of like prepare uh, in the run up in the time that you had? Yeah, of course. I, I'd already been pitching, so I already had some little kind of lined. I think to me, pitching your startup is a bit like stand-up comedy, 
where you're th like, and I, I'm sure there's people that just get it right first time, but for me, I, I like to throw different things and just see what comes back. So I'd already started that process in September. So I had some things in my head about how I wanted to talk about the business. Um, entering the competition, I realized I had to change all of that, really. I had to really simplify it, boil it down to make the message even clearer. So it actually helped me, it helped me improve my overall pitch because I had to think of like, what are the simplest steps that I can just use to describe what we're doing, where we're going, you know, why this problem is important. Um, I was, I was uh, like practicing every single night. So I didn't get to go uh, to the, well, I didn't get to stay at the pubs, um, unfortunately, or the parties uh, for very long. In fact, the first party, I was the guy sitting down on my laptop writing my, my like pitch. Uh, in a like the first evening, right, where it was the whole like club was just completely surrounded. It was super noisy. I just had my headphones in. I was just writing my pitch. I was like, okay, I'm going to get this. So a ton of preparation. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, because that's how I like to do it. Yeah, I would love to. Have, uh, I wonder if we got a, a snapshot of that in the in the photograph of you doing your pitch at the uh, the, the Sastock opening party. Um, but I think good, good that you uh, decided to kind of focus on that rather than like many people, uh, for, for, you know, many people are there for fun and they're staying up very late uh, in the evening. So uh, uh, good yeah. job. And, and what, what was the experience like? So like o overall um, and anything take you by surprise? Um, the what's, what's the word? The diversity. I didn't really know what to expect, but I bas it basically feels like there are, there's such a mix of European, it kind of makes you realize how diverse Europe is. Because I've been at sim, well, you know, I've been to some like startup stuff in SF and it's all kind of, you look, you look and it's all the same kind of people. <laughs> but um, at Sastock, you really notice like, you know, you had the, the Ukrainians and you had the Finns and you had the, the Brits and the Spaniards, and you could kind of almost see it all. And I love that. I love because, you know, my culture and stuff, I love yeah. sort of noticing these things. Um, so yeah, definitely the diversity surprised me. What was the experience like? It was pretty intense. You know, like if I wasn't meeting an investor and pitching the company, I was talking to companies about their financial problems or practicing my pitch. But looking back on it, it's just, it felt, yeah, it just felt really like a lot of fun. How did you feel when you were uh, announced as the winner? Uh, yeah, I, I see the video every now and then it comes up because um, I think another founder posted it. But uh, I, <laughs> so I was looking at your body language and I consider myself quite a good body language person. So I was looking at you and I was like, I think I've got this. <laughs> um, right at the end, because um, you, you kind of gave me a little glance, um, and like I, I, I've, I've scared my team about this. I'm quite good at noticing micro expressions. Uh, my team are petrified of it for some reason. Um, so yeah, like I all the way through the fight, the final pitch was scary as hell. Um, being in the sort of the backstage bit, I didn't want anyone to talk to me like the other guys. Um, were chatty, you know, we were all handling our nerves in different ways. They were chatty and so on, and even argumentative. And I was just like, please don't talk to me. I was so, yeah, petrified. But, um, uh, but yeah, it was, once you're on the stage, 
because I've been practicing every single night, just like the same lines for one, two hours, it just, you just sort of switch on and, and you just do it. And because I had been pitching to, to VCs when the questions came, I had, I had some little kind of sound bites of how I wanted to answer it. So it was almost like a, a very uh, happy sort of unison of everything that I'd done right up to that point, just coming together. Um, so yeah, it felt great to win. Um, my voice doesn't lend itself to like express excitement <laughs> or gratitude. So I, I remember having to say like, guys, I am excited. I'm sorry, you might not be able to tell. Um, but, but yeah, it was, uh, I mean, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, seeing the team as well, Simon was there with Frank, uh, you know, a colleague and uh, yeah, like I, I felt happy that I did well for them as well, you know. I'll have to, some good feedback there for me, um, like for this year in Austin and in Dublin, I'm going to have to either not look at the winner or look at the, lo <laughs> look at the losers and uh, see, see how that goes. But, um, uh, yeah. but yeah, maybe you, you got me there. And why do you think you won? over the other finalists um you know what was the feed like did you get any feedback or like what what were the thoughts of why you think you won mm, so, i mean some people commented on the the calmness of it how it came off um maybe that that was sort of distinct enough from the others that um that it stood out um i think if if not that then how i answered the questions maybe but only because i'd been you know answering questions like multiple times a week with VCs, right? But I think, you know, on the surface of the pitch, I think those two things. In terms of the, the concept, like this, this idea that we, we, you know, we started, it's been my baby since 2017, right? So I know exactly how to talk about it. I know the problems. I know how to answer questions about it. And like, I love thinking about those problems. Going back to sort of the eight-year-old boy that wanted to be an accountant and, and didn't make it. Um, so yeah, it's something that I've always felt, it's just a part of me. So it's, it's kind of easy to talk about. Uh, and what's been the impact on, uh, on the business, uh, uh, since then? Well, I mean, not only have we raised because of it, you know, we had more investors, uh, join the round because of it. Um, we had potential partnerships as well, which we're sort of still in discussions with, um, a few like a few friends, you know, like kind of work or startup friends. Um, hopefully, I'll see them again if I go to Austin or or you know the uh, the one. Where, where's the other one? Is it going to be in Dublin again? Yeah, in Dublin again. Yeah, so Austin yeah, yeah. And, and Dublin uh, every October. Yeah. But um, but yeah, so I think those are the main things. You know, uh, exactly what what you'd expect really from. Um, and it was the first conference that we'd done as Rebank. We'd always said like, well, no, we don't need conferences. We're too early. Let's test other channels. But so, yeah, it was a great first conference for us to do. I'd love to do Austin. I'd love to like, technically I, I should be allowed to pitch because it's a different, different yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, well, it could, it could be a first, uh, you know, winner, winner. I mean, it's a bit like um, X Factor or America's Got Talent where they, you see like, oh, haven't I seen this person somewhere before? And it's like, oh yeah, they won America's Got Talent and now they're on Britain's Got Talent. So uh, this could be one SASDOC, uh, you know, in Dublin and, and now going over to, uh, to USA. Never say never. I mean, we'll put, put in the application form and uh, it'll be a different yeah, name. And we'll, we'll, we'll see who picks it up. Um, oh, but yeah. uh, good stuff. And let's move on to the, the quick fire round now one. Um, so what one thing has moved the needle the most for you in your career? Reading. 
A favourite book? Yeah. Oh. Clayton Christensen's books around innovation, all of them, like the word for word, the most quality, the most, you, you can't audio book it, like you have to read it in my eyes. You can audio book 90% of business books, I think, because it's just fluff. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. No, no, I, 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 I agree with, like, for me, I, I spent most of my 20s partying, uh, I have to say. Same, and then most, most, of my, most of my 30s reading, and uh, I've seen a big, big acceleration in my career uh, uh, since then. Um, what's the best advice you've ever received? It was in my first proper job at a call center, uh, a friend who, who, like, was just sort of a few a few levels above, he, he just said like, just become, just become a fountain of knowledge. That's how you're gonna uh, like go far. And I've, to be honest, I do everything I do. I, that's my thing. Like I want, how do I become the fountain of knowledge? How do I become the sponge? Uh, how do I learn quicker than anyone else? Uh, so yeah, that for sure. Cool. What's the biggest failure you've made and lesson learned? Um, the biggest oh i mean there's this there's so many there's like a lot of you, you can break these down into like um like uh logical failures or like sort of failures of the head and then actual like failures of of like a process or a plan um i i wish what i know now like with startups and stuff like to w think about myself in year one and two of the startup i just look at that person and think what the hell were you doing you're wasting all that time but i think that's that's how it is you know like i learned so much that i should like if you're not embarrassed by the the former you then uh then yeah there's probably something you can do to improve now yeah yeah definitely and they they, they say that don't if you're not embarrassed by your first uh, website um, then you, you know you didn't launch it uh, not soon enough. Uh, what's the hardest thing about building a startup in 2023? I think keeping your head above the water from a media consumption perspective. I think um, I definitely fell into the trap last year of of trying to stay abreast of all the macro shifts and when is it going to when's the the shoe going to drop and all of this stuff and reading all the articles and everything and I've realised now. Um, at least for this month with the change that we've made, like I don't even have time to do that because we are genuinely uh, just trying to take all the calls, you know, meet all the founders that we can. So there's no time to worry about macro or think about my fundraising plan or any of that. Like it's just grow. So the hardest thing is really trying to like keep all of that distraction out because it's the most important time to focus right now. Yeah, 100%. What, what does your daily routine look like? Um, generally, like, I don't, I don't think there's a specific hack with a routine, but yeah, generally I do have a morning routine. I have an evening routine, um, and it involves where possible, a bit of meditation, uh, th like 30 minute blocks, right? Exercise, reading, meditation, writing. I used to write three pages in the morning. I don't know if you, morning pages, like some people do it. Um, but I don't get to do all of that every day. Some yeah. days I just <laughs> roll out of bed into my first meeting. So yeah. I, I, I used to beat myself up about not following my routine, but now I'm, I'm a bit more relaxed, you know, like do two or five and, and I'm happy. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. 
That's good. I mean, like, yeah, I, I, myself and uh, I know in some of my colleagues that we we notice that if we don't follow the routine, that we're you know we're very different. Uh, it, it affects us. Like, oh, haven't followed the routine, and um, you, you know, the the day just becomes a. Uh, somewhat changed, you know, by that, but uh, but also on like not beating yourself up. Um, like last year, or you know, I was trying to get up at five in the morning and like doing all these things, and like sometimes exercising like twice a day, and it's so on and so forth, and kind of ran myself into the ground like a little bit. And when I look back at it, it was like, oh, why why did I get ill actually before SAS doc? And it's like, well, I probably just like overdid it and was too hard on myself, and. Uh, I've now kind of taken the foot a little bit off the gas and say, well, look, it's okay to sleep in sometimes and it's mm -hmm. okay to get up at six. It's not too bad, you know what I mean? It's okay not to exercise sometimes. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Did, did, what do you think, like, this is something that interests me because I, I find that I will go through those periods, come out of it sometimes worse temporarily, yeah. and I feel like, but then you get this new feedback loop of like, oh, well, that okay, that's what happens when I go to bed at 3 a.m., that you don't initially notice. So, did your how did your feedback loop change, if at all, like between that year where you were just pushing yourself and now? Yeah, yeah, good question. I mean, like I I felt um, when I was kind of like pushing myself, uh, I certainly for a, for a period of time, I, I felt better, and you know, I felt like, hey, this is great, you know, and like everybody should get up at five a.m. And like I'm able to kind of do all this before you know the family work or before my colleagues get up, um, and then um, yeah, and then I think when I get to like sort of like certain uh, things like Sastock, it's like okay, maybe I'm five kilos overweight, so I need to go to two workouts a day uh, and kind of like push it like even harder, and then move. I found like you get a bit of this kind of like addiction then to I haven't had my workout today and I need to do it. Mm -hmm. So it ended up being like, oh, could I do six days a week instead of five days a week? And uh, and then that's when I was kind of like really getting really tired and kind of run down on top of a lot of traveling like in in the in the interim. And I think like at the time I wasn't sort of noticing that I'm doing too much and this was impacting me. And then it, it just kind of I just got run down. And then I was too busy at Sastock, so kind of you know had to kind of plow through. And then just the realization really probably came. So at some point in November that, hey, look, actually, you, you know, all these things, looking back, you know, what I was doing in, in September really kind of culminated in me just being, you know, like running down and beat, beating myself up. So then I think as I came into the new year, it was then like speaking with my coach and, uh, you know, other people and then just kind of getting really uh, onto that realisation and saying, look, sometimes I am too hard on myself. I am trying to push it like a little bit too far. Uh, and that, mm -hmm. you know, it's okay to actually maybe step back from doing five days a week to three. Uh, and, and, you know, that that's perfectly fine. So it took me a bit of time to kind of to, to, to realize. So the feedback loop was slow, uh, uh, shall we say. But I, I was able, uh, and I think largely probably through the help of my coach, I can't remember if I sort of realized it before then, that looking back to this sort of period, like, you know, I was definitely being too hard and that we just kind of, we change these things, you know, hopefully you'll start to get better and, you know, feel better. And, and I can say, you know, it's taken some time, but I, I can definitely feel the, uh, the benefits now. So uh, I, I, I think it was probably like, like, I mean, it was like bronchitis and chest infections and stuff like that, but it was just ongoing for such a long time. 
uh, that it was the longest period that I'd ever been kind of like, you know, ill for. Um, and, it, and it wasn't like pleasant, you know, especially when, yeah. especially when like Sastock, that was the first one we did in person for three years. Uh, and, and I happened to be unwell. I was looking forward to it all year and then I happened to be unwell through it. But, I, you know, I plowed through it. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know, like it's, it's, it's a topic that I think is becoming more important for me now because I find that there are very subtle ways that I sabotage my day where like it's, you know, it's 7 p.m. Like, okay, you know, let's get ready for bed. But then before you know it, I'm working and then it's 1 a.m. and I'm like, okay, let's just finish this. And then it's 2 a.m. and like, oh, just just this last little, let, let me write the list so that tomorrow is a great day. Um, and that's bad. Like I need to, yeah. I need, that's what I'm kind of trying to deal with now, sleep. But usually it's a symptom of a much bigger thing, right? If if like I'm not able to manage my sleep, then there's stress somewhere else. And I'm, and I'm trying to go through that now and figure out like where is the stress coming from? Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I definitely would, would, you know, not that I'm an expert, but uh, having interviewed, um, I don't know, a, a, a shit ton of founders on this podcast and spoken to a bunch of founders through SASDOC and obviously learning, uh, you know, about this and, you know, better health and sleep myself, like trying to kind of, I would say, like switch off at like eight or nine and then, you know, winding down. I think everything starts with sleep. So get a good night's sleep. Right, and if you get those seven or eight hours or whatever it is you need, then the next day you can be your best self, right? And you know, have an amazing day and be super productive. And if you're coming in because you've gone to bed at three and you've had like four hours sleep or whatever, you, you know, you might not be your best self at, at work or in that meeting or with your colleagues and uh, be as productive. Um, you, you know, so I would try and try and change that. And I, what I think from the as you said, you can kind of get a little bit hooked or carried away in like doing these things or building or whatever it is that you're doing until like, you, you know, one in the morning. But I think like a lot of this stuff can just wait. What I learned was um, that, hey, like if I don't answer my email after 6 p.m., everything is going to be there in the inbox the next day and I can just get to it and nothing's going to really change. Nothing, the world didn't burn down. We didn't lose that deal you know, because I didn't get back to them like as soon as they emailed me at 10 p.m. And so just shifting that mindset and just seeing that, you know, everything can really, you know, it can wait and I, I can get my downtime. And then it did take me a bit of time as well. And I know like, like I'm eight years into Sastock and it probably took me three, four years till I sort of realized this, right? And I was working, you know, all hours until 11 and stuff like that. But, mm -hmm. but eventually I've shifted and, you know, where growth company and i think I, I speak to a lot of founders that go to bed at you know eight or nine p.m you, you know and then they get up early and they do all their stuff and you know productive uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd implore you to not work past nine yeah i'm gonna give it a go i'll play a game of chess and then off to bed yeah. Yeah, with me, win, win against me. <laughs> uh, so one where, where can people find you and rebank uh, online yeah so we're at rebanknow.com um, I occasionally tweet, although not very good at it. It's Juan Online is uh, my Twitter thing. It's actually also my chess.com thing. If you want to add me, I'm learning. You can probably beat me. So it's Juan Online uh, is uh, where you can find me on chess.com. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Cool. Well, I look forward to playing you uh, at chess uh, <laughs> sometimes soon. I'll find yeah, the right too. time and hour for that as well. Because I find if I'm 
playing when I'm tired, I often lose. And if I'm oh, playing yeah. when I'm fresh, then, you, you know, I, I win. So obviously there, there's some All good right. data there. But, uh, <laughs> All right, so uh, a 5 a.m. match <laughs> then. I can't <laughs> wait. Definitely not. Well, well, actually, I mean, I could, I could be awake then, but uh, uh, good stuff. Well, one, thanks so much for being a guest on the SAS Revolution show. Uh, really appreciate it. And uh, yeah. looking forward to the future and the new name for, uh, uh, for ReBank. Yeah, thanks, Alex. Good to talk. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SAS Revolution show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SASDOC conferences around the world. Want exclusive SAS content and actionable insights to grow your SAS? Join our community of over 36,000 SAS founders at sasdoc.com.